Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today. In today's show, we're going to look at how to stop chasing money and to start seeing prosperity through passive wealth. My guest in this episode is Dan Zatovsky. Dan is an entrepreneur, investor, and speaker, and educator. As an investor, Dan has closed over 800 fix and flips, 650 rental properties, 800 plus doors and multifamily projects, and over 1,000 private money and non-performing note transactions. He personally coaches investors at all levels, offering guidance for raising private money and building their net worth with turnkey rentals in emerging markets. But more importantly, how to create true passive wealth. He's also a featured speaker at many national gatherings of investors and wealth groups internationally. If you've not checked out my new podcast, Cashflow Investing Secrets, you totally should. I would highly recommend it. It's a shorter show, 10 minutes or less, where I share one concept and or idea at a time what I've learned from interviewing over 500 Cashflow Ninjas. You can listen to the show on your favorite podcast, video, and live streaming platform. We also have an investment group and community for accredited investors. If you're interested to join the group, please visit CashflowNinjaInvestorsNetwork.com. You can also join us on Facebook by searching Cashflow Ninja Community. My friend Brian Page has created a cash flow machine generating over $100,000 in six months without owning any real estate. His system consists out of renting properties from property owners and renting them out on Airbnb. His system is so simplistic, it can be managed by virtual assistants and yet so effective and powerful that it predictably generates cash flow every month. Brian and I are hosting a webinar where he shares his system and how it generated over $100,000 in six months for him personally. You can access this life-changing webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB. This is one of the greatest cash flow opportunities I've seen since I've started my podcast. Again, the URL is cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB. Dan, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. I've been looking forward to this since we since we were together in Alabama, and uh, I appreciate you you even extending the invitation to me. I mean, that's an honor, really. I've been super excited about this for listeners out there. So I met Dan. I've known of Dan, but I actually met Dan at a at a conference that we were both speaking at, and this is just it was one of the one of the greatest like a couple of days just to spend some time with him and pick his brain because he's the real real deal. Um, so I'm super excited to have him on and speak to all of the Cashflow Ninjas out there. I think you're going to take a lot away from this episode. Um, so Dan, can you just share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners? Sure, I'd be happy to. And that's really where I got to where I'm at today. Um, I think it might be different than a lot of people's journey. Because um, when I got into this business, <clears throat> and that's how our book was written, the, the book I told you about, Past and Prosperous, that, that hit bestseller. Um, when I got into this business, I grew up in a life of, it wasn't the best life and I wasn't, I'm not going to go deep into that part, but it was a life where I probably should have been statistic out there. You know, I didn't have a great upbringing. It's 
kind of on my own, kicked out at a certain age, wound up going to the military and learned early on that uh, not having money, I said, you know what, I'm never going to do that to my wife, my kids, my life again, ever. I said, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to make money. I'm going to have a great life. And I'm kind of fast forwarding a little bit because I know we don't have a ton of time and I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on my story with that. But um, when I got into the business, really buying rentals and buying flips and buying wholesale deals and land deals, um, my, my insights were chasing money. I was constantly chasing the dollar. And the reason I was chasing the dollars, like I said, I grew up in a life where I really didn't have anything. I was on my own to pay for everything. And I thought that was the sign of success. Um, and those deals came to fruition. I started flipping a lot of properties, flipping anywhere from 30 to 50 properties every single year for a good amount of years, seven, eight years, nonstop. It's buying uh, land deals, optioning land deals to builders, buying multifamilies, buying hotels. Um, and I was making anywhere from no less than 50,000 to 80,000, sometimes more in a flip. So figure it out. I was doing very well by anyone's sense of accomplishment out there or, or sense of um, success. I was doing very well. Uh, in fact, I spoke with entrepreneur.com in California. They actually introduced me as the most unsuccessful millionaire you'd ever meet, which is funny, but it's not so funny. It kind of hit home. Well, Years went by and I uh, had wife, had my, had my wife, had my three kids, and I was working so much flipping properties, um, but uh, I'm working 100 plus hours a week, but I was doing those flipping those properties, making the 40 to 50, I'm sorry, 80,000 on every property, um, making a ton of money, but I was never present for my family, right? I was never around. I was Sunday dinners, we would go out with friends at nine o'clock at night, I'm outside of the restaurant on the phone. They would take me on vacation. I remember, to, I still remember, we go to the Outer Banks to the furthest part of Hatteras and the Outer Banks because there was no cell phone service there. I couldn't get on cell phone. So it was a week. I was not present. I was miserable. I wanted to drive in to go get Wi-Fi to actually get on the phone, uh, make phone calls and stuff like that. And I just wasn't present. And I still remember we had this argument and, and the argument came down to where I was just so pissed off because uh, she's basically saying to the point where you're not around, you're not a good husband, you're not a good father. And I, I just all the things popped in my life of my growing up where my parents weren't around. And I'm like, I'm totally different. I was there for you. I've given you everything you wanted from cars, boats, watches, vacations. I mean, I'll spend the money if you say watches. I'm a watch collector. I'm a car collector. Um, but the problem is I was chasing that money for things, not experiences. And all that they really wanted was me around. And it kind of you know, it kind of hit home and I put that all in my book and I talk about it, how when she basically said, you, you know, you're horrible husband, horrible father, you're not here for us. It kind of was like a knife in my back. I just bring back memories of everything I didn't want to be growing up because of what I went through with my parents. So I sat down and I'm like, what do I do at this point? I don't know what to do because all I really know how to do at this point is, you know, make a lot of money flipping real estate, you know, it, whatever it is, it could have been a multi, it's a land deal, I'm flipping, I'm flipping, I'm chasing transactional money, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not tracing wealth at all. I didn't really know how to make wealth. And at that point, I'm like, well, I can start renting properties, but you know, three, $400 a month isn't really sexy compared to 50 to $80,000 in a flip, right? Yeah. But when you start doing that hundreds and hundreds of times and you get to live the life you want to live, doing what you want, when you want, where you want, it gets pretty sexy. So when I speak at an event where I have my students, the first thing I ask them, and I ask anybody when they want to work with me, I say, what's your vision? And I ask them their vision, and I'm going to tell you almost every single time it's things like this, MC. It's I want to I want to not work so hard. I want to be there for my family. I want to put my kids through college. I want my husband, wife, partner, or whoever it is to stop working. I want to be able to travel. And then when I look at their business, and I'm like, well, why are you wholesaling? Why are you flipping? Why are you buying multifamilies? Why are you doing this, this, and this? 
they don't have an answer. They're just chasing. It's, it's like the dog chasing its tail, and it'll never get you where you want to be. So, um, so that's where we got. Now our business is, we actually buy a lot of. Uh, we raise capital. Uh, we buy a lot of um, distressed debt from the banks in emerging markets. So I talk a lot about of emerging. What is an emerging market? Where do we buy? What is distressed debt? It could be anything from non-performing notes to tax liens to distressed houses from sellers direct. And we look to turn those properties into cash flow, ATM machines, right? And then we help. What I'm really passionate about is helping my investors now build up their net worth, build up their portfolio with uh, turnkey rentals in emerging markets, right? And I'm in a couple different markets that I'm really, um, I, I went deep into. And I'm not all over the place, but I'm in three to five markets I go really deep in. So I help them build up their passive income. Right. Yeah. And then I show them eventually how to become the bank doing seller financing. So that's what I truly am passionate about. I built up a really nice portfolio. We have 637 doors ourselves, 411 seller finance notes, 226 uh, single families. I do not own any multifamilies anymore. I sold off all my multis because my vision is long-term. I'm not looking to do this for the next two to three years. I'm looking to have this legacy wealth for myself and my family and I'm glad to say that right now, if I don't do another thing, I'm fine for the rest of my life. My family will be fine for the rest of its life. Um, I've been through a couple market crashes already. And when you have single families in good emerging markets, you're going to be okay. The bottom line is you're going to be okay. So I built that up. And now I truly, I speak well, actually internationally now. I'm also, I speak as a consultant, mindset coach. Uh, I also teach uh, how to build uh, passive income. We're launching our newest uh, webinar. I think November 6th is our first live, November 7th is our first live webinar on how to build a $10,000 rental portfolio in an emerging market. We've also been awarded as the top uh, educator in raising private money in our class. It's called How to Raise a Million Dollars or More in 90 Days or Less. We have hundreds and hundreds of testimonials on that. We used to do that live. That's all. We, we've put everything online now because our time, our time is limited. Um, because we are brought in as a consultant and a speaker at some some organizations now, not just real estate, but sales training, uh, mindset thinking. Um, and that's what, truly what I love. And and where I'm getting at now is my goal is to build a fund. I think we've talked about it. Yeah. I really, everything I sell in my books, that book has sold like crazy. We're already working on our next book. Um, but everything we sell in our books and online training is going into a fund that we, we raise money so we could build a financial literacy course for youth around the world. And that's a huge undertaking. Probably going to be about a three-year undertaking when we're done, but that's that's my legacy. That's what I truly am passionate about: is teaching people, helping other investors build their portfolio, like I built mine. So I'm, I'm helping them. I'm getting them properties in emerging markets. I'm having them either fixed up, rented, and managed not by myself, by somebody else. Um, but I'm actually acquiring these properties or raising the capital to acquire them to help them. So that's truly what I love because I'm seeing changes in so many people, so many investors I work with. I'm seeing changes in their lives. And, you know, these are people that are doctors, uh, lawyers, business, a lot of business owners. I deal with a lot of dentists, a lot of people that are just tired of the hustle and bustle and they're tired of dealing with insurance companies or tired of uh, worrying about Social Security. Or I have one friend of mine now, his wife just found out she has to teach for another eight years. She thought she could retire and then she doesn't get insurance because he has insurance. She has to get her own and they're going to have to pay. And they don't think they'll be able to retire even after eight years and they're already in their mid-60s. So that's, that's the kind of people I deal a lot with. So I love getting the people as young as possible. So I help them build that portfolio and learn how to build that portfolio from a young age, even from kids in their 20s now I'm working with. So yeah. that's, that's my story. And uh, 
in a, a long story and a short, you know, five minutes uh, spiel of, of how I came about to where I'm at today. No, I love it. And a lot of the big, you know, a lot of the things I think like there's a central message too of how true wealth, right, is measured in time. And the time that you have available to do whatever you want, spend time with your family, you know, uh, spend time supporting the causes that you'd like. Um, and it took, you know, everyone goes through that. And I think about it too, you know, from a mindset when you don't come from much too, or just middle, everyone that grows up middle class as well, there's, there's that big, there's a scarcity mentality initially when you start, right? And then when you, sure. when you work hard and work hard, there's still that fear <laughs> that, that you have. Um, and, and, and it takes a while and it takes a, a and this is where mindset kind, kind of comes in. Cause a lot of folks, um, you know, ask, you know, talk about abundance and preach about abundance and so forth. And I always say to folks that that's like a daily battle. You don't just flip the switch and it's like, boom, there's abundance. It's like, that's why a morning routine is so important, right? Because there's always, you know, a, mind is, a mind is an interesting thing for our we, you know, interesting creatures, we humans, right? So you have to be very, very specific and intentional every day. And it starts all with mindset. What is some of your, you know, you've mentioned some of your core things that, that it's important to you now and that you've realized and um, you shared some of that character development, but what's your overall philosophical approach to wealth and with relation to mindset? Well, my overall quote, I, I stick to my vision. Everything to me is based on my vision. And I don't chase, when I talk about wealth, to me, like you, you mentioned the great now, it's time, right? Mm -hmm. um, you'll never get that back. You can't buy more time, right? So for me, it's my mindset, my vision. My vision is to be there for my family as much as possible. I know it's not going to be 100% of the time. It's just that's almost unrealistic unless I do nothing else. But I really make my own choices now. That was that's huge, right? So um, things to the effect like this weekend, I went out to Michigan with my son, my friend. We hooked up with his friends out in Michigan. We watched some football games. Went to so I gave up a paid speaking event on Friday to go do that, right? That's I didn't chase money anymore. I chased that that because you know what? I can make that money. I would have got paid over twenty thousand dollars to do that. That'd have been fine. But you know what? That money's going to get spent. But my son came back and all yesterday, or the whole way home, we were laughing. He was telling my wife and my, my daughters the stories. He's telling his girlfriend the stories. I'm sitting there listening to him. I'm like, you know, I bought, I bought cars that people would dream of, right? I've owned cars that people talk about all the time. I don't put them up on social media um, because I, there's a couple of reasons I don't do that. Um, but people put them up there. They think that's a sign of success. Uh, you won't see me doing that because I sat back and I always say cars are great. But when you start driving for a little bit, you lose that giggle. Once you lose that giggle, you have, I have no interest anymore. We'll talk about the stories of this weekend and the laughs we had for this weekend for probably the next 50, 60 years. God willing, I'm still around, right? And when I'm not, he'll be telling it. And I just created something for my son that he'll probably do with his kids one day, God willing. So yeah. that's that's really one of my core values. And, and I'm digging deep into show you what I think about, right? Um, because I have people present me with deals all the time a lot of money in these deals and you probably do too. I'm saying, I'm sure you do. And, you know, I look at it and I'm like, well, if this is going to create um, a headache for me, if it's another baby, I don't want to take it on. Um, if it doesn't fit my core values and my vision, I don't do it. So that's something really important for me. And, you know, the other thing is I really, um, there, there's a lot of core values I have, but the other thing is, you know, I have to enjoy working with the people I'm around, right? If it's yeah. going to be a headache, I don't want to do it. I'm not interested in all. 
And I'll talk a little bit later. I know we'll talk about a little later more of core values and my principal values, but I'll talk about like the power of six, right? I learned this from a billionaire friend of mine who, and I say billionaire, but the guy's a billionaire, but he's living the life that everyone dreams of living. Um, and it's not about money. It's not chasing money. So I really stopped chasing money. And I, I guess I'm going to, I'm going to bring it into a funnel like this and say, it's my vision. And my vision is all based around time for experiences with my family. Now, money is great. It allows me to do great things and money's a tool. I'll never say money's bad. Um, but what are you chasing money for? Like my money that I make now is all being used for something of good, you know, and I'm not the guy out there. that will say, Hey, I just donated money to this organization. Hey, I just did this. I believe it's, you know, not trying to kind of drives me insane when I see that. I believe do stuff that, you know, there's, there's talk, they, they talk about character, right? And what are you willing to do when people aren't watching? And I learned that from playing, you know, sports growing up. I was a football, avid football player, baseball player, and I had a football coach. And I remember the football coach would always come to the team and he would always talk about me and how I would do things when nobody was there. I would just show up early. I would hit the coaches up afterwards and ask them for help on certain plays. And I become one of the best athletes in that organization for a reason. And I always stuck with me. And that's why I love athletes because they have this work ethic and it's not about look at me, look what I do. But when you go online and you say, Hey, I just bought this person a coffee because they were homeless. Hey, I just gave this person money because of what this reason, what's your real reason for doing it? And I learned a lot and maybe we'll talk about it in this. I learned a lot from one of my grandfathers um, who was my mentor, my hero. Not he didn't give me any money, but he just taught me a lot. And, um, and, and, and why you do things. What is your purpose for doing things? So I always think about that in businesses. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Um, and what is my purpose? If it's for chasing dollars, it's usually going to be the wrong purpose almost every time. And I see that because in this business, I'm sure you see it too. We see people that are chasing dollars that will do anything to stomp on somebody to get those dollars. And then they're constantly struggling from one business to the next business, one partner to the next. How many people do we see that partners? And I have it happen to me. I still have it happen to me because I put this trust out to people or I give them opportunities and I let them hang themselves with those opportunities. Yep. Absolutely. Let's talk about your grandfather for a little bit, your mentor. What were some of the other lessons that you learned from him and some of the, the key things that you take with you every day? Oh, my God. He, he, king of one-liners. He was the king of one-liners. I'll tell you a story. Um, I remember I was probably six, seven years old. I, 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 I can look it up because it was. We were, I still remember. We went to go see the Christmas story. It was in Queens, New York. The movie came out. And he took me for pizza, and it was around Christmas time, cold. It was like sleeting, raining. And he didn't drive and we would walk. And I remember I held the door at this movie theater for this older lady. She walked in and she walks in and I looked at him. And I said, she didn't even say thank you. And literally my grandfather was a European guy. looked at me and he says, is that why you held the door? And he shut up and he kept walking. And man, that stuck with me till today. Till today, it's why do I do things, right? Do I do things because I want somebody to thank me? Do I do things because what, like, what is your reason for doing what you're doing? Like, why am I helping investors build their portfolio when I can just build mine? Is it to make money? No, yes, we do make money on it. Do we make a lot? No, we don't make a lot on it, but we do very well ourselves in our own business model. But it allows me to help other investors build their portfolio, right? Do things go right all the time? No, it never will. But when investors get pissed off, what do I guarantee them? I guarantee them to do the best of my ability to help them out all the time. Um, so those kind of things is I help them because I want to see them get to a lifestyle where they really, their true vision is like what I have, not because I want to make a couple thousand dollars on every single deal. That's not why I help an investor, right? Yeah. So if you stop chasing money, right? And I, this, this is what it comes down to me. If you stop chasing money, money will find you. 
Um, and it was just a man of hard ethical work, right? He always wanted to make his customers proud. He was a furrier and he didn't drive. And I would go to him to the Manhattan and he would take bags of, of skins of furs. He would go get the furs from Manhattan and he would have like 10 bags, brown paper bags in his hand and we hold them. And we walk to the train, to the bus, to the train, to Manhattan, walk up to Manhattan, five, six blocks to the, to the store he would sell these to. He would give them to them. They would give him cash. He would pick up more, trudge all the way home, no matter what the weather is. Made, never made excuses. Didn't make my grandma. My grandmother drove. He didn't have her drive him. He didn't want her to drive. He didn't want her to drive him. He wanted to go do this on his own. And he didn't want to put anyone else out. And he did it. And he made no excuses. No matter what, he made no excuses. He came to this country with no money. He borrowed some money, paid it back. When he passed away, he bought real estate. So he taught me about buying real estate, right? And at the mm-hmm. time, I was young, but I didn't understand. I thought he just went to these houses and picked up money from people. I didn't understand what it was about. And he didn't go out. He lived a very, very, I'm talking about basic life. You would think yep. they were poor. And when he died, he died a multimillionaire. And because of that, my grandmother lived almost, she just passed last year. She lived almost 30 years, or 20-something years, very well off because of him. Because her social security was very little. Right. Um, so he, I, I learned from him and I sat back and when I had this problem where I was spending all this money, I realized that I was chasing my own ego. I was trying to fill my own ego. How could I be more, would, would my grandfather be proud of me of what I was doing? And I, my grandmother was like, he would be so proud of you. And in back of my head, this is what I thought. And it, I tear up when I was, I'm getting shakes now thinking about it. He would tell me he wouldn't, he wouldn't have been proud of me. He would have called me. He would have said, what's wrong with you? Why would you not take care of your family? Do you really need that car? Do you really need that watch? Do you really need that boat? But I was, you know, I wouldn't think about it because I knew I was being, I was being um, irresponsible. And I knew that's not why I was in this business. And I knew I had to get over my own ego. And here's the thing in this business, if you get over your own ego, you'll be so much better off, right? If you, if you're vulnerable to people, if you say, I don't know, if you don't become the expert, like I just told you we did a uh, webinar the other day on a subject that I'm not really familiar with. I don't do a lot, but a lot of people ask me. Now, I could have played it off as the expert, but why not bring the experts on? And that's my mindset. A lot of people have the scarcity mindset. They don't want to bring other people on because they're scared they're going to lose business. That's yeah. all mindset, right? So if you could figure out your mindset and really put your mindset in focus, and I don't care what business you are. I was talk about if you're at McDonald's working, I'm telling you, make the best damn burger you can make. Make it look perfect. Make it look like the picture. Because one is you never who knows watching. However you prepare that burgers, how are you going to treat your wife? How are you going to treat your kids? How are you going to treat yourself? How are you going to treat your friends? And how are you going to treat everything in your life is mindset. Just go out there and do the best you possibly can. It doesn't have to be perfect, but you have to take that initiative and action and think about how am I going to take care of this person better than I take care of myself? How do we take our, like we raise capital, right, from investors. How yeah. do I make sure my investors pay back before I ever make a dollar? And that's why I've been able to raise so much money. And that's why my investors have been with me so long. And that's why they want to be with me. And that's why they don't come to me and say, I have to make 20% of my money. They're like, I just want to know that I'm being taken care of. And once you take care of them and you're honest with them and you communicate with them, if something goes wrong, they'll treat you like gold forever. Yeah, absolutely. And for 29 years, you've been in this business and doing this. What are some of the biggest lessons that you, because you've seen quite a number of up, up, swings and downturns and crashes and corrections and booms. What are some of the things that you've learned over the 29 years in, in this business, seeing all these different market cycles? Uh, great. That's a great question. I just got asked that. I spoke in Philly at uh, KW Philly for like 200 realtors and investors the other day. 
And that question was asked to every panelist. And it was great to hear other people's answers. I answered first. And when I, after I answered first, I think everyone kind of gave the same answer. I think they kind of felt uh, responsible. I had to say what I said. But um, one of the things I learned is think long-term, right? Plan long-term. If that's your vision long-term. Now, if your vision is, hey, I just want to get in this business, get enough money to buy myself a Lamborghini like Dan, then that's fine, right? That's your vision. That's fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong. If you want to go buy, you know, watches, right? That's fine. That's not wrong. Yeah. But understand one thing is understand your vision, right? Work backwards, okay? If I want to, if I want to retire at this age, and I, I don't even like using the word retire because I don't know. You and I probably will never be considered retired. We'll be hanging yeah. out on a beach, I'm sure, having a couple of cocktails, you and I. But um, <laughs> but we'll never actually retire. Um, but think about your vision. So your vision is. Uh, I want to stop working, sell this, practice. I want to be with my family. I want to give 10 more years or I want to do this. Think think that, okay? Flipping, is that going to get you there? Uh, wholesaling, is that going to get you there? Apartments, is that going to get you there? And then work backwards. How many years do I have? How much money do I want to make? And work backwards. What I learned over time is I wouldn't have sold, right? I wouldn't have sold all the properties I sold. Now, I was still there's still some properties I would sell because economically they don't make sense. High-end properties don't make sense for a rental. But I was talking about, I've done close now, probably close to 3,000 properties with, you know, my turnkey rental properties, right? And my notes and stuff like that. And I told you I have 637 doors. Yep. Well, I always tell people when I speak on stage, and I'm very conservative in this, I say, listen, let's say I only make $300 per door net. And I usually make more than that. But let's say only $300 per door. Yeah. I mean, take 637 doors, take $300 net and figure it out. Now, I... Uh, let's say I had 3,000 3, doors that I didn't sell, okay? 3,000 doors that I didn't sell. And I'm talking about most of these are single families, not multis like other people say, right? Yeah. 3,000 properties I didn't sell. Let's say I only made $300 a property. That's $900,000 a month, right? That's a pretty – I don't – why do I need to flip to make $30,000, $40,000? So yeah. the biggest thing I learned, one, I'll tell you the biggest thing I learned is I should have kept more properties. I should have learned how to keep more properties – Understand the tax basis on properties. Understand the four quadrants of real estate, right? Yep. Cash flow, debt reduction, appreciation, depreciation, right? I'll learn, understand that, right? Keep my properties. Two is stay out of those cyclical markets, those big, those big spikes up and down, right? Don't look to make big hits like New York, Miami, Chicago, Philadelphia, LA, Arizona, they, all those areas. Just stay steady in emerging markets. I would have done that a long time ago because if you look at those emerging markets, they don't have those like this, right? Yeah. And I'm not that kind of investor to, to be in those, you know, those um, buyer one, buyer two, seller one, seller two. I'm in the steady. I want to stay in steady cash flow, right? That's even when I got into the business, that's what I wanted. But my ego got in the way and said, I'm going to show everyone I'm successful. I'm going to drive around in a Lamborghini. I'm going to drive around in my Maserati. I'm going to drive around in a Mercedes. I'm going to wear watch collections that more expensive than people's house. That's what I thought was success. Yeah. That put no, no happiness to me. None at all. I'll, I'll take what I did this weekend any day. I'll, I travel. Where I spend my money now, I travel a lot all summer with my family. We're traveling. We're on the boat. We're at the beach. That's that's what I would have done. So stay out of cyclical markets. Don't look for those big hits. Um, stop chasing the shiny object, right? Because those shiny objects are going to change. And I see it all the time now. There's some great business models out there. But, you know, figure something out and go deep in it. One of my mentors taught me go very deep in that market. Stop going chasing things, right? And every time I start chasing the money, I get hurt every single time. Not only do I get hurt with money, but I get hurt with my time, my stress, aggravation, depression, and stuff like that. That all comes into play, you know, because you're like, oh, man, what am I doing again? 
And it, it, it's not, you know, it's exactly opposite of what you learned. And I'm going to say this, and I got to say this because I talk about this all the time. Guys, whoever's on this, don't think, and I'm sure MC will, will attest to this, do not think that I don't go through my downtimes, like my really downtimes, like, oh man, I'm, I'm stressed. It does, it's not, you know, it's not always rainbows and unicorns for me, um, even though, of course, I'm at where I'm at. So a lot of people think, oh man, it's, it's a bad time. I'm getting out of this business. It's thanks. I go through this more than you think I don't go through this, right? One is yeah. we hit our goals, right? My goal, I remember my goal at one time was how do I make $10,000 a month passively? Once I hit that, I'm good. I'm golden. I'm going to stop doing everything. I'm just going to travel, right? We hit right. that, no problem. So we hit that. Then you go to the next goal and then the next goal. And you get to the point, like, what are you going to do? Why do you do what you do? Why are you on here doing this stuff for free? Why are you wasting all this money on your technology? Why are you wasting all your time on your podcast? You're doing it because you want to bring value to other people, right? And people yep. ask me the same thing, like, what do you do now? And once you hit your goal, you go through this kind of depression. It's, it's People don't understand this, but once you hit it, you'll understand it, I tell people. You hit your goal, it's like, now what? Do I just stop doing everything? I mean, still a young guy, I have a family. And I always talk about, I do a lot of what I do because my family watches me. My kids are watching me. Like, you could talk to your blow in the face to your kids and I talk about this with my students. I'm not, sometimes I'm not the, you know, I'm not the helicopter parent to my students, right? Yeah. I don't tell them great job when they're not doing a good job, but I'll tell them things like, you know, when you say you're crushing it, you're like, stop lying to your kids. Are you really crushing it? I had a student tell me, uh, tell his, tell me he, he talks to his kid. His kid wants to be a major league baseball player. And I said, yeah. So, and I said, so you're telling this? Yeah. And I said, so what, how does the conversation go? How did the conversation go? He said, well, I told my kid you could do anything you want to do in life. I said, why are you lying to your kid? And his mouth dropped. We were in car together. His mouth dropped. And I said, you're lying to your kid. And he didn't know what to say. And I says, why would you tell your kid you could do anything you want to do, but you're, you're sitting here not doing what you want to do? I said, you're living a fictional life. You're lying to your kid. I said, you don't think they watch you? They're watching you. I said, so if your kid wants to be a professional baseball player, are they outside hitting two, 300 bulls off a tee a day? Or are they sitting in their house? He goes, not I said, why aren't you making them go out? Why aren't they doing that? Why don't you tell them that instead of saying, yeah, you could be whatever you want to be. You know, and that's the problem is, is we tell people they can be whatever they want to be, but we're not doing it ourselves, right? We're all on social media, lying to people, BSing them, telling them, yeah, we're crushing it. Yeah, we're this. But behind the scenes, it's not even close to what we're making it out to be, right? Yeah. There's people that are taking pictures in front of planes and cars, and it's just ridiculous. And just, just be honest with people and show them, right? You don't need to tell them, show them. It's like telling people, like I said before, I donated to this person or I bought this person. I see it all the time. Oh, I was online and this person couldn't afford their food, so I bought it for them. Great. Why do you put it online? Like, who can, why do you put it online? Do you need everybody to give you that attaboy? Right? Yeah. So this is – and this is mindset, guys. You, it's what you do when people aren't watching that will generate the character you'll be for the rest of your life. Your kids, I'm telling you, my kids are older. Two of my kids are older now. I have a 27-year-old and a 22-year-old, and I have a, my daughter's going to be 16. They tell me all the time. They watch me. They tell me what I do better than what I do. Yeah. My son shows up to a lot of events I speak at. Speak at. He watches what I do. He watches how people talk to me. He watches how I talk to them. He watches what people say about me. He's watching. And you know what? I see him with his friends. He's he's the mouthpiece of. He's like the younger version of me now. And his work ethic is by far one of the best work ethics I've seen in anybody as a 22-year-old. My 27-year-old daughter has the work ethic and the responsibility like most people will never have in their lives. And you know what? I don't give them anything except love, attention, 
um, shelter, right? But they, they're responsible for their own bills. And sure, I could buy them anything, any call they want. I could buy them anything they want. They don't have to go to work. But that's never going to happen because they're watching what I did, how I busted my butt doing the right thing day in and day out when nobody else was looking. So that's kind of that's kind of the important things I, I, I think that people need to have. And I don't care what business it is. Like, it doesn't have to be real yep. estate. Notice is the cash flow ninja. And it's great because we, we're both on the same mindset. You and I, we love, I love cash flow. My cash flows came for me. And I love assets, hard assets that, you know, no matter what, I'll be protected because I own that asset should that not pay. Um, so you and I are in the same mindset with that. But I think we're, we're, we, why we also hit it off so well is because our mindset is like aligned 150%. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is the show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. MC Lobsher, the creator of the Cashflow Ninja and Cashflow Coach at Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate infinite banking with their business and investments. To learn how you can create your own banking system to turbocharge your investments and business in 30 days or less, go to yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. My friend Dave Zook from The Real Asset Investor says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. The Real Asset Investor team creates value for investors looking for higher yield returns from ATM machines and cell storage investments. Their syndications offer attractive investment opportunities that produce strong cash flow, equity growth, huge tax incentives. They are truly passive and managed by a world-class team. To learn more about the exciting investment opportunities the Real Estate Investor offers, such as their ATM and cell storage syndications, please visit cashflowninja.com forward slash real asset investor. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is the show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. Now let's return to our interview. Now we've had folks, to, uh, you know, a lot of folks talking about multifamily and obviously multifamily syndications and stuff is, is big uh, as there are a lot of folks doing it. Uh, meaning big in that context. Sure. Um, and I always say like, I don't want this to be an echo chamber <laughs> at all my show. <laughs> so the, you make a great case for single family. And I mean, you've built up your passive rental portfolio with single family properties and you don't have any multifamily uh, right now. What are some of the things that you would say with regards to single family versus multifamily? And what are some of the, the uh, ideas that you have around that that you can share with our listeners? Sure, I'd be happy to. And I appreciate you asking that question. That's so important. And I'm going to start off saying this. Um, there are a lot of people out there teaching multifamilies right now. There are some very good ones teaching multifamilies. Um, some people I value a lot and they're really in it for the right reason, like I'm in it for um, but that's their business model 100%, right? <clears throat> so you can learn multis from some good people. Um, I did own over 2,000 doors in multifamilies. I sold off my last three uh, this year. I'm out of all of them. Um, I saw an issue in 2007 and you know, seven and eight, nine with the multifamilies. I was at the time cash poor, equity rich. So I couldn't buy, buy them up. The, the, there's an economic play with multifamilies. You got to understand the economic plays of multis, right? 
One is the first thing besides even economics is it's not my vision. My vision is once again, to do what I want, when I want, how I want, anytime I want, right? And I cannot do that with multifamilies. I don't care what people tell you, even my friends that are teaching this, you, you, it's not truly passive, right? And you don't make a ton of money on multifamilies. Your thing is transactional. It's still transactional. If you think cash flow and you can sit back and leave your business for three months, um, unless you have a huge organization, which you're managing a lot of people, you, you now you're managing people, unless you have a manager, then you manage your manager that manages people. It's not truly passive. I don't care what people tell you. It could be it could be the biggest, the biggest multifamily owners out there. The economic play is this. Um, when you get financing on a multifamily, unless you're Grant Cardone who buys them for cash, unless you buy it for cash, that's different, right? And he buys it for cash on a, on a four cap, right? But he'll buy a $10 million building and make $400,000 a year. He's okay with that, all right? He, he's fine with that. Um, but unless you, you buy for cash, you have to understand the economics. Multis, when you get a Fannie Freddie product to finance a multifamily, they'll give you 75 to 80%. And you got to raise, do a syndication, raise the rest of the money for your down payment, your soft cost, your CapEx, which is your rehab money, okay? And your acquisition fees, management fees, and stuff like that that you make, okay? You're giving, you should be giving a majority of that money to the limited partners, like a 70-30 split, an 80-20 split, where you get 20-30, they get the, the, the lion's share, right? So you're making a lot less. Well, when Fannie Freddie gives you that product, they're giving you a 30-year AM, a 25-year amortization with a five or a seven-year reset balloon, essentially a reset, right? So in five or seven years, they come to you and they're going to say, okay, uh, the rates are going to reset. Now, when the rates reset, multis are based on not what your neighbor sells next door. You could have a 100-unit building. They could have a 100-unit building. Yours is worth $8 million. This is worth $12 because it's based on net operating income and cap rates. Right, and they, banks look at debt coverage ratio. You probably heard DCR, debt coverage ratio. Yep. Well, what happened back in that, that day is you had a $10 million note and banks were coming back and saying, great, we're gonna reset this. We're gonna give you 7 million, so you gotta come up with $3 million because the interest rates went up, which they probably will in the next three to five years. I don't think we're gonna see historic low interest rates like we're seeing. We, we might for a little bit in the next three to five years. Well, let's say you have a five year or seven year reset. You think you're gonna have those interest rates? that they're at now and, you know, multis and the threes and fours. I, I, I doubt it. I don't know. I'm not a genie, but I, I highly doubt it. I bet my bet some money on that. Okay. So your net operating income comes down your cap rates come down. So now they turn around and they say, okay, you got it. We're going to give you 7 million, you owe 10 million. Where are you coming up with that other 3 million? We're going to call that no two. Okay. So here's the other thing. Well, your exit strategies are multis are two. You have two exit strategies where I have about nine with single families. Your two exit strategies are keep it for cash flow, right? Keep yep. it for cash flow or sell it. Sell it to who? Sell it to an investor who's going to want a deal. Those are your two exit strategies. Now, if you hold multis for a good three to five years, you're going to have your deferred maintenance on multi is very large, right? So this is the biggest play that will be like, all right, when you buy multis, get multis because you get 100 doors, one roof, one HVAC system, right? But your roof and your HVAC system are hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? And if you set single families up the way I set them up, I literally have all my money back, I do, in 12 to 18 months, all of it. So my returns are infinite with no, I have no responsibility at all, right? And I teach my people how to do it too, right? So if you buy good single families, right, you put good work into them, I call them make them hard, right? Um, you're in a good emerging markets where there's a lot of jobs, right? You're going to have tenants all the time. My average time, and I think I spoke about this at event, right, that event we were at. My yeah. average length of tenants is over six years. 
my occupancy rate is over 97% now. It went up from 96 to over 97, right? My average turnover on a property is right over $1,500, okay? So think about that. And I'll rent every, every neighborhood by 50 to $75, okay? So think about that. I have a ton of exit strategies. And what I do in my single families is my ultimate exit strategy is to sell a finance almost all of them. So I become the bank and I don't have to worry about the three Ts, tenants, toilets, and trash, Yeah. right? Ultimately, but to do that, you really have to own the property first. So I teach people, let's buy some properties. And then when you decide to retire, get out of your business, well, then you can sell a finance into an investor or to an owner-occupant borrower, and you don't have to do anything. Now, I can leave my business for 365 days, never answer the phone again, and I'll be okay because I get paid to my servicing company. My servicing company, ACH, is to my account. If a toilet bowl breaks, you don't call Wells Fargo and tell me your toilet bowl broke. You're not paying the mortgage, right? And the way I set up my deals is I have equity, skin in the game from the investor. They're serviced. They're managed. They're rehabbed. They're rented. I'm set up in a way where I don't have to worry. Once again, my vision is to do what I want, when I want, where I want. Now, when I talk about multis, if you're in it for a short term, right, get in, do a value add, I would possibly still get involved in a multi if I could do a quick value add and get out. But I'm not looking. That's not my thing because transactional, I'm not a transactional guy. Now, I would have to be, I don't want to be the operator. It would have to be an operator I really trust. Somebody really knows what they're doing. And I don't have to really do much except maybe maybe bring money to the table. And that's it. But I'm not really chasing that. And I get those offers all the time. And it's funny because I know I have friends that are teaching these classes. I won't even mention it. But I have two friends that are pretty good teaching it. And every time they teach it, I swear I get these emails from these newbies telling me they're buying multis and they want to raise money. But they don't even know how to put together a package. Um, they don't even do their due diligence. They don't understand what CapEx is. They don't understand what pro, pro forma and actual numbers are. And what's I think a lot of people are just taking advantage of what's hot in the industry right now and selling classes on multis. And that's not gonna it, that's not gonna fit your vision of long term wealth. I don't care who you are. I'll challenge anybody in that industry. I'll challenge the best of the best. You can put me Grant Cardone on a on a podcast together, and he'll tell you himself that you know if you're if you're taking financing on these, you're gonna be in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. That's now lots of powerful stuff there. And just for the folks listening, a value add is forced appreciation through the value add strategies that you bring into the building that you can then either refinance or sell the property uh, at a higher cost. So it's almost like if they're selling it, you know, quote unquote, flipping it with a longer period, right? Exactly. Exactly. You've mentioned emerging markets a couple of times, and um, I know that some of our listeners might be, what do you mean by that? What are some of the markets that you would, if you could ramble off a couple that are emerging in the United States? Sure, sure. Emerging markets, a couple of things you look at. You look at uh, economic development in those markets, right? Growth in those markets. Um, I mean, we, we were just in Birmingham. I looked outside my window and I saw new highways being put up. Jobs are popping up left and right. Companies are, are relocating there. Um, average incomes are going up left and right. Schools are good. Taxes are down. Crimes are down. Um, those are some of the things you see. I also look for a couple of things I look for in the economics in the market. That one-to-one value to rent ratio, right? So, which means that if a property is worth a hundred, let's just use a hundred thousand dollars because it's an easy number. Um, if they're worth, it's a, if it's worth a hundred thousand dollars. I should be able to get about a thousand dollars in rent. Now, if it's nine fifty, nine twenty-five, it's fine. But if it's if it's a hundred thousand dollars, I shouldn't be getting five hundred dollars in rent, right? So right. that's why I talk about economics of certain areas. Why I won't hold a property. 
I also look to be in like their stages of areas, A, B, C, D, A being your best, probably where we live, most suburban areas, high end areas, right? Your B is, is still, you're kind of touching on suburban to blue collar. Your B and your C are the areas that generally we're in is, is those blue to white collar areas where husband, wife work, or, you know, divorcee with kids, they take pride of ownership in the house. They take care of the house. Um, they just want a nice property. Your D's are like your drug infested, crime infested areas. I don't touch those. On paper, they look great with numbers, but you'll never see that because I call you a bill collector for the for the attorneys. You're a bill collector for the HVAC guys, for the sheetrock guys, for the paint guys, for the carpet guys, and you're constantly evicting people. So you got to be careful with that when you when you buy. So those are the numbers you kind of want to look at. Um, if I could be in that one to one rent to value ratio, and that one to one rent to value ratio keeps you in a class B to C area maybe even A minus, A's are very tough to make that work. So you're not looking for that. Um, some, so I look at things like chamber of commerce, businesses grow, you know, growth. I look at plan um, permits, what permits are being filed there. You know, you see highways, you see companies coming in, you see tax breaks, you see those kind of things coming in. Um, some of the areas I love a lot, or Dayton, Ohio is a big area for me. Cleveland, Ohio was a big area, but it's kind of expensive. Memphis, Tennessee was good. It's kind of getting expensive now. Um, all these areas, I don't ever sell them on on appreciation because I don't hedge that bet. I sell them on these are great markets, great job growth. No matter what happens in the economy, jobs are going to be there. It's not one industry. It's not like just automakers. Um, it's yep. not Silicon Valley with just dot-com companies. So there's a ton of jobs there, and people could afford to pay their rent if they work at the Amazons, the Walmarts, the automakers, the you know Publix factories, stuff like that, You know UPS, FedEx, yep. Lockheed Martin, banks, stuff like that. Um, love Birmingham, Alabama, as you know, we were there together. Yep. Um, love Huntsville, Montgomery, Alabama. Um, there's other great markets I'm not in. I mean, Michigan's an excellent market outside of the city of Detroit. Um, just because it's inside Detroit itself proper is a lot of tough neighborhoods, and I don't like that. I'm not in De- Michigan. I just don't have the time, the team right there now to be there. Uh, Columbus, Ohio is an excellent market. Oklahoma is an excellent market. And I'm throwing these out there because people in different parts of the country are listening, so they can start looking yep. at markets. Missouri yep. is an excellent market right now. Um, Arizona is very good. Arizona, I did a lot in Arizona. Arizona, you got to be careful at because it'll go up and down. So you want to really watch. Vegas, Nevada is also good, but you got to be careful. If you're on the West Coast and you want to look at emerging markets, I would jump and look at Oklahoma. That's a really good area right now. The economics are phenomenal over there. I don't do anything there, so I can't really help you there, but I just know it's a good emerging market. If I was to get involved there on the West Coast, I'd get out to Oklahoma start visiting, you know, Economic Development Corp. I always tell people, you can go right to Economic Development Corp in your local area, look it up online, and you can see what's going on. You look at the Chamber of Commerce in that area, you know, find some real estate groups in that area, so find some meetup groups in that area, just start talking to people. I always teach my students too, uh, when you go out to a market, meet with three property managers. Those property managers are invaluable to you because they will teach you what market you want to be in in that area, what the average tenants are like. They'll also have a link to great contractors, great rehabbers, great realtors. They'll give you everything you need to know. And then you kind of, you meet with three, just so you kind of build your all-star team. Yeah. Um, so there's a little due diligence. I do once a year, I do a trip. I take one person uh, on a trip. We do like two and a half to three days and I'll help them build the market. It's not, we, you know, we do charge for it. It's not, you know, we charge pretty good for it, but it's almost like a mastermind for two to two and a half days with me in the car with them setting up meetings, going through, and I'll build any market somebody wants to build. And 
Last year we did it. We went to, uh, we actually built last year, Montgomery, Alabama. We built uh, uh, Tennessee last, this, I'm sorry, two years ago we did that Tennessee. I think this year we're already scheduled to do uh, Missouri. What somebody okay. they already paid, we're getting set to do that. I think that's coming in uh, March. Yeah, we're doing that one in March. But that's we do that. It's a one-on-one thing, and I build the market, and I show them how to build the market in that area. Where the first time I did it, within four months, somebody bought nine properties in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, building that oh. market. So it was pretty good. But yeah, so you you could definitely build your own markets, build your own teams. A lot of our investors don't have time to do that. Um, they have full-time jobs or businesses, careers. They just want to buy properties in that market and know that it's going to be taken care of. So we help them. We get it taken care of. Um, we're selling like. Uh, anywhere from two to three properties a week to turnkey investors, but we don't manage them. I, so I'm not a property manager, yeah. uh, which is good because I don't want to be a property manager for anybody. I also, there are some great ones and we know some great ones, you and I, right? So I'm not going to say it's yeah. gone, but a lot of them that sell these turnkey properties out there, if they don't have a full team in place, it's conflict of interest. They'll, they'll sell your property and then they'll, they'll ream you for repairs and stuff like that. So you, you need to learn how to ask questions for property managers. But one of the things I do is since I vetted these property managers, I turn my property manager right over to you. So I basically turn the property over to you. It's yours. They'll get it tenanted. They'll manage it. I'm out of the deal and they'll take care of you. Now, I always tell people, like, expect that a property manager can go rogue a little bit. You have to stay on top of them. And if they do, it's not a big deal. You just find another one. There's tons of them out there. Um, and you usually ask, ask referrals and, you know, MC knows good ones. I know good ones. And, you know, well, well, I'm always glad to share good property managers in the market I'm in, you know? Awesome. Awesome. Now, a uh, core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations, and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? That's an, that, I tell you, that's an awesome question. I love it. I might incorporate that myself. And I, when I talk, just talk to people on the road, you know, um, yeah. but I have these, I mean, I have so many core values, but I'm going to really drill down to like three of them. I think that would have helped me years ago and, and not about money, right? So I'm going to take out anything about money, like you said, but I'm going to, one of the things I, I realized a long time ago, and like I said, I have mentors too. I have two mentors and I attend a lot of events. I spend six figures a year, over six figures a year in, in, in my events, right? So mm -hmm. I don't think of anything. I always tell people, stop, you know, your mindset, your scarcity mindset and stop believing everything is a cost. Stop believing it's an investment yourself. Um, the minute somebody asks me, how much do I does it cost to, to mentor them? How much does this cost? How much does I, I really get turned off. I don't even want to work with them because their mindset's not there. If you're thinking of it as a cost and not an investment in yourself to become the best you can be, um, then, then you're in the wrong mindset. Like, you know, if, you know, if you're not, you know, like, if you have a bad marriage and you think it's not worth investing in counseling, then your mindset is wrong. If you're out of shape and you don't think investing in either a gym or a personal trainer is bad, then your mindset's not there, right? So that's the one thing. And I, I, I'm sorry I'm expanding a little bit and I don't want to just throw out there investing in yourself instead of costing yeah. income why I think this. Um, power of six is somebody I, I met a, a billionaire at one of my mentorship trainings, right? And we pay over $30,000 a year just to go to that twice a year, right? And this person went from a millionaire to a billionaire, right? And a lot of people are millionaires and tens of millionaires, hundreds of millionaires, but a billionaire. And living a life like I talk about living. And I'm like, wow, how do you get to that point? Like, I know, I'm just even now, for me to be a billionaire, I think I would have to work so much harder to get to that point. But once I'm there, I could be there. 
And he really summed it down to power of sex. And he wrote a story. He wrote an article on it. He actually shared that article with me. And in the power of sex, it basically, it's, it, once again, it's the, it goes back to the investment. Who are you hanging around, right? Who do you want to mm-hmm. be around? Do you want to be around? And I'm not talking about your friends and fa- like the friends that you grew up with and your family. That's different. You're not cutting your family out and friends out. But in your organization or in your business or like, you know, who are you hanging out with at events? Is it the guy who says, uh, you know, who's negative and every person on stage is, you know, BS or, or you know, somebody's lying out there? Who is your power of six, right? And man, MC, you're definitely like going to be one of my power of six because your mindset is there, right? And we don't even do deals together, but I need to be around people like you. And, and we met people like that, that. And you have to replace every year. Unfortunately, it's like a team. The bottom man, bottom man, bottom woman is out. They're out of your power of six. And these are like your board of directors. And that's really, it, it stuck with me. And really, I, I, I met with him almost four years ago. I met him. He just came over to our table. We started talking at the mastermind. And since then, my business, my, my life has changed because I started realizing, wow, I'm really not hanging out with the power of six. Because you only need six powerful people in your life. And it's not based on money. It's based on mindset. And yeah. that's what he said. And he goes, once you do that, you'll start thinking differently. You'll start acting differently. You'll start, you know, sleep. Everything will be different. And and that's what he did. And really, uh, I do that, right? I'm very, I always call it, I hate to, I, I call it cut out the masses of asses in your life, right? There's a lot of people in your life that are cut them out, cut out the masses of asses. You don't need to be around those people, all right? Yeah. So that's another core value that I believe is the power of six. And I, and I always have, I have POX, PO6 on my wall. And that's what it means. Power. So I always look at it. Right. And then the other thing is really important is, is relationships and stop chasing money. I always talk about relationships first. I think I talked about it earlier in the show is treat your investors better than you treat yourself. If you learn how to take care of people the right way. Right. And I'm talking about the right way, go above and beyond to do everything, to make them happy, to make things right, to take, to take, um, to, to value your, what you do in your business. Um, your relationships will grow exponentially and your business, once again, money, business, everything follows that, but you got to focus on chasing relationships, treating people the right way all the time, even when people aren't looking and money will grow. So all these things are going to bring money, but we don't chase money. Not one of them that I ever say chase money. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, those are very, very powerful uh, ones that you've shared there, my friend. And again, this has been a blast connecting. I knew, you know, I could talk to you for hours. Oh I knew this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, where can folks learn more about you? Where can they follow you? Where can they um, access the webinars? Because you've got an amazing webinar coming up. Um, where can they, uh, yeah, get 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 a hold of you and all of the, the information and resources that you provide? Well, the most important thing is we put a lot of stuff on. Obviously, everyone tries to ch- ch- uh, chase me on Facebook and my personal page, but Facebook has that infamous 5,000 contact limit, so we keep hitting that. We have our group, and I, I sent you the link. You can share it. It's Become a Real Estate Investor with Dan Zatofsky on Facebook. Um, that's one of them. The other one is good as Zatofsky Capital Management, right, on YouTube. Um, and follow that because we're going to be posting most of our stuff on YouTube coming up. Uh, and you'll see on our Facebook group, we post our live webinars that we're doing. We're, the, the live webinar we're going to be doing uh, starts November 7th. Um, we're going to be talking about some of our trainings. Uh, we also are running a special. I think my marketing team just put a special out there this week for Halloween. I think it ends Friday night on raising capital, raising private money. So, and I, I did give you a link. If anybody wants our free uh, cheat sheet, uh, I, I, I sent you a link by email. You can yep. put it up there. It's um, um, 
PassiveWealthAcademy.com forward slash 42K. So PassiveWealthAcademy.com forward slash 42K. We actually wrote, it's a short cheat sheet and they can jump on, hear our story. The, the, the greatest part about a book is my why, chapter one, but it's also my how. So you can learn a lot of my tricks on how I built it. But if you really focus on my why in chapter one and, and our book, Passive the Prosperous, um, I'd love to get your feedback on that, hear people's feedback on that. But the best place to, like, if you just want to follow us, I would say go to that Facebook group, not our personal page. Make sure you answer the three questions to get in. We're not looking to be the biggest group. We're looking to be the best. And, and it's really pounding and becoming a great group where a lot of content is there. You'll see some webinars we did, uh, some great interviews we did, um, a ton of content. We're just looking for that group to just people to give content. It's just all about content in that group. Just like, just like your podcast, we love love you. Have, you know, have our people see your podcast in it because all the content you're currently giving. Awesome, awesome, my friend. Well, this has been a blast. I knew it was oh, going yeah. to be. I've uh, scribbled down so many notes during this conversation. Learned a lot from you, as I always do. Uh, when we spend some time together, I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for all of, all of my listeners out there. No, my pleasure. It was great being on. I, I truly enjoyed it. It's one of my favorite shows I've done. So thanks, MC. Appreciate you. Take care. Bye-bye. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic market and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Thank you again for joining me on the Cashflow Ninja. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here, please subscribe, rate, and write a review for our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at CashflowNinja.com. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. Until next time, my friend, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.